Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm joined today by... Danny. And Tim. One enthusiastic, the other <laughs> one not so enthusiastic. Which is strange because, Tim, we are talking about Alpine today. And uh, we know how you feel about one of their drivers. I am... Um... I will try and keep it brief and not bore you with my love of Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll start off with a brief summary of both drives before we get into the news. Tim, briefly, what were your thoughts on Ocon's season? Um, Ocon season, the first few races started off fairly slowly. Um, I was actually disappointed because I thought he was going to continue the momentum with that podium that he got at the end of the season before but then we got to the later european season and it just started to click for him didn't it he got that new contract he got that confidence and then he got obviously that fabulous race win at hungary which we all loved i do think maybe that the alpine car was potentially kept developing a couple more races more than the others which is why we saw that good form especially in the last three or four races of the season but yeah, overall, I think he can be very happy with his season and having a long-term contract in F1 for him for the first time is a really good thing and hopefully that will give him some security to actually build into next season. Yep. Like I say, it was, a, it was another season coming up. Hopefully this time he can build on the strong finish unlike uh, he did this season. Danny, what were your thoughts briefly on Alonso's season? Uh, I believe uh, for a very young... 41-year-old rookie, he surprised us. Uh, he still has speed. He still had a great season. Uh, started off... He also, like Ocon, started off slow, uh, but did have a very consistent middle of the season. Um, and uh, ended up with a podium in Qatar, even though the uh, I think next race in Saudi Arabia we had a pretty dismal 13th, but um, very good very good season for him. Yeah. 10th in points. Yeah, so strong in points, uh, a strong finish in constructors. Um, but before we get properly into Alpine, we will do the news. So the news is all Aston Martin based, and we start off with Aston Martin becoming the first team to announce the launch date for the all new 2022 car. They will be releasing the AMR22 on the 10th of February um, with an event streamed online from their headquarters. While it may not be the first new car that's actually released, guys, how excited are we for these launches? Obviously, I'm excited. It's a new rules package. It's a new era for the whole sport. Um, obviously, engines are staying the same, but pretty much everything else about the chassis and the cars is changing, isn't it? Um, some of the concept designs that we got from F1 in the middle of last season, I think it was at Silverstone, they had the concept car on the grid, and it was looks, looks gorgeous, doesn't it, if they can get anything near to that. Um, F1 engineers will always try and take the beautiful concept and twist it to their own means. Um, also, in terms of the actual shape of the car, I think we're being told by a lot of teams that their launch car is not going to reflect the actual aero packages of the final car. And I think this is part of the reason that they're not showing the first few days of testing as well in, out in Spain, is that they, or they're not showing them live on TV, is that they don't want to give people an image of the car that goes out there and then people turn up who don't follow the second test and realise it's a completely different car. So... 
Um, I'm cautiously excited because I'm really excited to see what a team has come up with. And I think we're all interested to see that. But I'm not going to go over the top and go, oh, wow, that's the final package because it won't be. It will be very different to the car that we had DC in Bahrain. Yeah, I think no one is going to release their full package at the start. I mean, you'd be crazy to do it because there are no secrets in Formula 1. As soon as something is uncovered, there's 100 cameras on it. Everyone's trying to steal your ideas. Yeah, definitely, like Tim said, um, the new generation of cars. I'm excited to see what the um, what each team has developed for each of their cars and see how they interpret their rules. Um, I'm sure after a couple of races, we'll we'll get more information on the new car as some teams have found loopholes or and they're able to you know to use it for their advantage. So um, just excited, excited to see Aston Martin. They, as we know, they picked up a new team principal, um, but um, you know they also continue with Vettel and Schroll. That's the second season with them, so it's nice to see a little consistency in that team, and we'll see how it goes. Well, with that and the talk of a new team principal, guys, it's time to talk about Mike Crack. <laughs> That's gross. Stop it, please. <laughs> Dear oh, God, stop. <laughs> We're, we're not going to get tired of saying it, are we? <laughs> yep. Uh, Poor guy. From a team principal who historically has so much rear end, he could only hire Mike Crack to uh, fill the team principal <laughs> role. Um, can, we do, can we just say, oh God, we're going to have to listen to Crofty say, we're going to go down to the pit wall and talk to Mike Crack. I'd <laughs> 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 have just killed the podcast. <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. That'd be uh, so if he starts, cool. if he starts, if he starts going all horner and lying about stuff, can we say Mike Crack is full of shit? Oh, Mike Crack is talking bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! Absolutely amazing. You wouldn't believe the words that come out of Mike Crack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Should we should we move um, on from the toilet humor because it's actually quite an important story? <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't get Ben Dover or Jack. Uh, Jack. Are they going to get jacked up? Um, uh, yeah, pr- pretty much. Uh, yeah, former BMW Motorsports head Mike Crack has been appointed the Aston Martin team principal. Uh, he is bringing some Nate people along with him, including Hugh Janus. <laughs> oh god i thought you were going to give me a genuine person then. i was like oh who did you bring him with him i didn't see this <laughs> well I, I i i couldn't i mean no he's not bringing anyone with him as far as we're aware uh all we know is that aston martin have confirmed that the former bmw motorsport head mike crack uh that's mike crack for all of you still struggling to understand that we are not saying the words mike crack over and over again um, he's taken over from the recently departed Otmar Zafanar. Uh, although he might not be a form- familiar name to most of you in Formula One, uh, Crack has been involved in Formula One before, uh, notably at BMW, uh, working alongside a fresh face Sebastian Vettel. On his appointment, Crack uh, said that it's a thrill and an honour to be appointed the. <laughs> Oh god, Danny's laughing and I can't stop. I'm holding back, but it's so funny. It's just like you're just going through it very coolly and everything cool and everything, and it's just like I'm trying so hard here. 
as, as, as Mike Crack made you try really hard, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, that stinks. <laughs> I'm just glad that he's work. I'm just glad he's a. Uh, I'm glad he's working in motorsport and not in the fragrance industry because no one wants to have the sense of Mike Crack. Um, <laughs> what? Well, that's going to be the new F1, um, the new F1 me. fragrance, isn't it? <laughs> F1 oh. fragrance, Mike Crack. <laughs> Comes <laughs> oh. for the people who bought you. Neon white. An essence of turn one. Mike Crack. <laughs> an essence of turn one. <laughs> you like that one. <laughs> Turn one actually is a quite decent fragrance, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I got for Christmas last year from Tim. Um, <laughs> we are struggling so much here to talk, move on and talk properly about Mike Crack's appointment. Um, <laughs> he was at BMW for eleven years, or as, as it was as BMW yeah, and then BMW, BMW Salva. He was involved for a long time with F1 in around the turn of the century. Yeah, I mean, since 2014, he's been heading up the position at BMW where he's been in charge of Formula E, GT, IMSA programs, as well as overseeing the new LMDH category. Um, I like his... Um, it looks like he has got a good ambition as a winner as well. So um, I was reading that his when he left BMW, it was because they wanted to focus on the following season instead of trying to help Kubitz to win in 2008 when he was actually leading the title. Um, so it sh- mm. I think that shows ambition from him. He's not going to take a team who settles on their laurels or just waits for the following season. Yeah, well, I think that's been backed up by what Lawrence Stroll said, which is uh, winning in Formula 1 is all about bringing together the best efforts of all the principal players, drivers, engineers, mechanics, everyone. And Mike is perfectly placed to do that. just that. I think it's a good move from them. I, I didn't know. I can't say I knew much about him before I looked him up and saw the name. But looking at his history, I think it is a good, it's a sensible decision from Aston Martin. Yeah, I, I I have to admit when Danny first sent to our our admin chat or our, our chat where we sort of discussed all the things Formula One fans UK that Aston Martin had replaced Otmar Zafnar. Um, or Otto, as I dubbed him in previous <laughs> yeah. podcasts. Otto. Uh, and he then said that he had been replaced by Mike Crack. My genuine response was a lot of ha-has. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then it turned out it was real. <laughs> and I went straight to the comments section on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Formula One fans, you never disappoint. Uh, they never do. Keep up the good work. They never <laughs> But this is good. This is an upgrade. I believe this is an upgrade over Zach now. He does have the expert. I do believe it's an upgrade. Yeah, well, you're very uh, egotistic about my crack. <laughs> so, um... well, especially if Zach Nauer goes uh, to Alpine, if he does go to Alpine. Yeah, I think that's going to happen because they've had someone depart from Alpine. I can't remember the name of as well. I guess that's also news. Oh, the guy that gave his uh, finger on the team photo. That, yeah, yeah, I forget his name. Um, Bud Kowski is the guy who um, left Alpine. I believe is that right? Mm-hmm. No, that's the guy who partners Sully in Monster Zinc. <laughs> no, Martin Budkowski. <laughs> I remember him because he was always a good. He was always a good word for Ted if Ted was struggling for Alpine discussion on the notebook. 
he's, he's appeared a couple of times on the notebook <laughs> to, to save them. Well, I'm sure Ted is going to have a lot of fun with Mike Crack on the night notebook. Oh, good. Well, I mean, his shorts are bad enough as it is. Um... Oh, Jesus, Jim. <laughs> is it Mar- Martin? Martin or Marcin? Marcina. Oh. Marcin. Anyway, it's... Uh... I feel if we're talking about Mike Crack, it is going to turn into my sin. My sin. <laughs> Interesting that Alpine are losing players at this stage in a new development era. I'm a bit... I, I don't Just know if plan. that's going to hamper them. I get the feeling this guy is probably not so keen on the appointment of Zafna, and um, that might be why he's left. But we don't know. Um, but with that, we are going to get on and actually review Alpine now. Um, but before that, a word from our sponsorship. I know usually we like to link in smoothly with some joke about what we just said. And right now we'd probably be saying they make some crack. If you want some cracking wall art, head to apextracks.com. Uh, that's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S.com. But we're going to talk about something a little bit different, which is saying that Apex Tracks do, and it's a fantastic thing. Uh, they support motorsport for MS. Uh, it's their nominated charity. And if you go to their website, you can see... Occasionally that some of their tracks are made with some issues that prevent them from being sold. So instead of throwing them away, um, they like to raise awareness and support of their chosen charity, Motorsport for MS, which is a multiple sclerosis. Um, and all they ask is that a small donation is paid and in return they will... Um, they, there's some track art they will send out to you just as a thank you. Um donations all they ask for is just a minimum of five pounds which is really not a lot to give so if you want to do something great and help a brilliant charity head to apextracks.com search for motorsport for ms and from there enjoy some track wall art as a thank you for donating to a great charity and with that we uh we get back to reviewing alpine before we quickly get into reviewing their season, Tim, do you want to quickly give us the head-to-head stats from the season for Alpine? Yeah, of course. So um, qualifying was exactly equal. Alonso had the higher grid start, though, with a third against Ocon Smith. Okay, their best race finishes, um, Alonso had the third place in Qatar, and Ocon had that memorable win that will live long in the memory um, at Hungary. And uh, points, they were fairly close as well. Um, Alonso's 81 to Ocon's 74. And in terms of race finishes, uh, it says 11-10. I know there were 22 races. So I'm not sure if Ocon had a DNF. Oh, no, it's because they both had a DNF in the same race. Ah, okay. So technically nobody finished higher if they were both. Okay, in terms of actual race finishes. It does here say here, though, that uh, Ocon had one more DNF than... Alonso, so uh, three to two. So yeah, they were very evenly matched across the season. I feel, and it did ebb and flow, didn't it? Because there was periods when Ocon was putting Alonso away a bit, and then Alonso came back at him. Then Ocon took the win. Then at the end of the season, Alonso was coming back. So it, um, yeah, it was very tight between the two of them, wasn't it, across the whole year? Yeah, well, we had our chassis theory, didn't we? Where we thought it's unusual what's going on here because. Like we said, one driver started stronger and then it felt like Ocon had really fallen off whilst Alonso had got stronger. And then we felt like there may have been a new chassis involved or a chassis swap like it happened at Mercedes. Um, um, on the actual Alpine car as well, their 
design philosophy at the start of the season. Um, they had problem incorporating, I think it was their airbox into the regulation changes that were there. Oh, it was a big chunk. And they had there. a big chunky airbox, and it took them a while to actually work out how to fit the rest of the car around the airbox that they were sort of left with as the temporary solution. Um, they obviously got to grips with it, but you feel like that might have hindered their progress at the start of the season a little bit. Yeah, the car looked very top heavy. It was a season that felt like it, it needed a bit of consistency because, hmm. I mean, whilst you look at Ocon and Alonso and they, they finished 10th and 11th in the, in the standings, uh, there were some big chunk points for Ocon um, when you think about it in just two races 35 of those 74 points came it, it left in without trying to sound too harsh on Ocon it felt like he left a lot on the table and he could have given us much more this season yeah um there was a bit it was after he signed his contract wasn't it when it he had three or four races in a row around the was it around the French Grand Prix it started and it went really wrong didn't mm. it because they were announcing this brand new um amazing contract like the boy had been getting some really good results in the first half of the European season and it just really really tailed off for uh, several weeks after the after the French Grand Prix yeah i'm not sure. i mean because of course i know we weren't alone in speculating with we thought at the start of the season, that Gasly would be there come 2022. Yes. Um, of course, Ocon now has that long-term contract, so it will be interesting to see if that's paid off for them. I was just having a um, yeah. It was between Austria and yeah, Austria, Austria, and the and the British Grand Prix. He only scored two points, which was over six races. Yeah, from Azerbaijan. Yeah. So we'll move on now to some high points and low points of the season. So, Danny, I'll come to you first with the easy one. What was your high point of Esteban Ocon's season? Well, obviously, the memorable race uh, at Hungary. Uh, the impressive first win for him and for the Alpine Formula 1 team. Uh, that was the high point. But if you want to count something else in that, think of uh, him being in the middle of uh, the Max and Hamilton scuffle at the end. In Saudi Arabia, he um, you know he started from first in the grid and the restart. Uh, yeah, he didn't do much, but he ended up getting beat at at the finish line by Valtteri to you know to lose that podium. But that was a good race by for him as well. Um, so yeah, two good po- high points for him this year. And Tim, your high point, uh, a different one, of course, to the uh, the blatant <laughs> blatantly obvious race win. Other, other than the race win, other than the race win, um, for me, well, Danny said about his drive in Saudi Arabia, he was so close to getting that podium, and if it, the race had been one lap less, or if Boss Hassad just missed one braking zone in that race, he would have had that podium in Saudi Arabia. Um, where else did he have a good? Um, when Alonso scored his podium at Qatar, uh, you had on up there in fifth and I think he had uh, had a bad pit stop in there somewhere as well so yes he might not have been with Alonso but it could have been a third and fourth for Alpine in that race yeah if, I think if we're going to go for one more positive on Ocon from this season I think it's 
he's actually shown some real potential in leading positions. Uh, so we can look ahead now in the future with Ocon. He's shown in both Saudi Arabia and, of course, in Hungary that he had that cool head under pressure whilst leading or going for those leading positions. He kept his cool when Verstappen was trying to cause all sorts of chaos in Saudi and uh, when all sorts of chaos was going on around and behind him in uh, in Hungary, he kept his head down, he held off Vettel and it was a, a very mature mature drive. So moving on to the low points of Ocon season, for me it was the run of results that came shortly after the Hungarian Grand Prix, whilst Belgium was an absolute farce so you can't hold that against him. Following that, it was 9th, 10th, 14th, 10th, retirement, 13th, before getting sort of back on track at the end of the season with an 8th, 5th and 4th in uh, Brazil, Qatar and Saudi. It was just one of those ones that, like I said earlier in the podcast, it left me crying for consistency from Ocon. And that for me was a bit of a low point that he couldn't build on that momentum he should have had after the summer break. So my low point, Austria. Uh, I remember that that collision. I was just reading up on it. He uh, collided with uh, Alfa Romeo Giovinazzi in the first turn. Scoop suspension. But the thing that that gets me with him, this was uh, part of that string of re- really bad races he had in in the first half of the season, um, where he retired in Baku and and in France, which is his home race. He ended up 14th. Also, just a terrible terrible race for. You know, French driver to French car and French Grand Prix. So, yeah, just that, that string of races and his retirement in Austria. But he still got that contract at the end, which is a bit surprising to me. But Well, he had the contract. He was given it the weekend of the French Grand Prix, wasn't it? Because it was their big media publicity thing in the week before of the French yeah. team having the French driver contracted for the long term. And at that point, I think a few of us were a bit like, well, where has that come from? Because, yes, he started yeah. off the season okay, but that barren run, he was in the middle of it at that point. Yeah, that's surprising. And Tim, your low point for yeah. Ocon? Um, my low point was going to be the French Grand Prix. Um, qualified way outside the top 10. Yeah, he was 10th. And just he was 11th. he didn't have the pace. On the grid. Or the 11th. Oh, okay, I, I remember him being lower. He was definitely lower after <laughs> turn one. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just remember him having absolutely no pace. And um, Sonoda, who crashed out in qualifying, took him overtook him near the end of that race. Good move, actually, from Sonoda. <laughs> um, but it, Alonso just, Ocon rather, just had no response to it. Um, and he was almost caught by Giovinazzi at the end as well. And Alpine didn't say that there was a car problem. They, As far as I remember, they didn't mess up a pit stop or anything like that. It was just a lack of pace on the side of Ocon in that race. And don't know what happened. Um, was lapped by his teammate. So, well, almost lapped by his teammate, I think. So, yeah, it was just a poor... Poor, poor day for him. Which, off the back was of that, announcing your three-year contracts, was very surprising. Was that when Alpine had that big bulbous airbox? Uh, no, that was at the very start of the season, was it? When, not? when they did got, they get rid of it? That was right I mean, at the start was, of the season. That was sort oh, of probably. when our chassis theory. But they was, held that it was when our chassis theory was sort of coming about, though. The French Grand Prix were like, "Why is he dropped off all of a sudden?" Um, yeah, he did get a sassy change, didn't he? I think before Hungary, which probably. <laughs> Probably helped. So moving on now to Fernando Alonso. The season, it, it sort of went to um, El Plan, but at the same time it didn't. 
Tim, what was your high point of Alonso's season? Um, the battle with Lewis at Hungary, without a doubt. Absolutely phenomenal driving Fernando back to his best. I feel like that's where he got his mojo back. I feel it's like where a lot of doubters started taking him seriously again. Um, it was an incredible performance. It won his teammate the race. And um, also, the celebrations after that race win, the humility that he showed, he was genuinely as delighted for Ocon and the team. Um as well maybe not as he would have been for himself but as 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 more delighted for a the team performance than i've ever seen him in a race before and that is really coming from a driver who we know can be a self-censored as alonso it's really really good to see that he was buying into the delight of everyone else as well as his own performance danny what was your high point of alonso's season uh, my high point is his podium at qatar uh, you know, took the car. Nobody expected him to be up at the uh, up running at the front. It was a good uh, qualifying from him. Uh, I think he also qualified Q three that that race. Yeah. And by virtue of uh, what Max's penalty or his grid penalty, he had to move back. Alonso moved up. Yeah, he felt that. like he could be leading at turn one, didn't he? He was starting fourth, I think yeah, it was. He really did. Yeah, because Max and Valtteri were both pe- penalized yeah. for the yellow flags in qualifying. And Alonso started third. Yeah, it was third. Yeah, because he yeah because he got mm-hmm. Gasly shortly third. after, didn't he? Yeah. And Gasly fell off that race, but that's that's another day. Well, yeah, it was poor from Alpha Tauri with the wrong tire strategy that one. Yeah. For me, my high point had to be whilst he didn't win the overtaking award, the fact that he was second showed that, despite being a forty-one-year-old rookie, he he has some on-track fight about him, and showing that you've still got that on-track fight and that sharpness i mean that with the intended regulations of being closer easier to follow more on track fighting next season that can only bode well for alpine title number three incoming <laughs> that is our plan <laughs> I, I want to see it so bad <laughs> trust our plan it's the only thing I'll take over a Lewis 8 if I want. Uh, the only thing I want more. <laughs> <laughs> I want a science win because he was robbed, but we won't go back to that. Danny, speaking oh, of a low God. point for me, um, how about a low point for Alonso's season? Um, really, I think it was Saudi Arabia. At the end of that, just that race for him. I think he had car issues that day. But... um. You, he would he would have benefited from from all that chaos. You just uh, it's just a missed opportunity for him at that race, and um, he probably could have followed it up with another top five result, um, be up there with Ocon. But yeah, I think that would have been my my low point for him for the plan. Yeah, for me the low point had to be the Spanish Grand Prix. I don't know what it was with the Alpine drivers this season, but when it got to the home races, it just did not go to plan. Uh, of course, Ocon had a horrible race in Spain, uh, sorry, in France, and Alonso, 17th in Spain. It's a big oof moment. Uh, one of those weekends that just, you know, just didn't... <laughs> just typical, isn't it? When you, you're in your home country, you think, this is, where, this is my one, this is my time to shine, and it just did not go at all well. Especially with somebody like Alonso, who, you know, he's so proud of proud of that. Tim, what was your low point? Turkey. 
uh, qualified sixth. Um, I've seen him in wet races in F1, one of the Silverstone races, I think, and he started off fourth or fifth and he came up to win. Was it 2011 or 2012? Um, and I was really expecting, I was like, he could be on the podium here, he could really take advantage of the fact that he's sixth. And the two people in front of him were Gasly and Leclerc. I don't see them as wet weather specialists. Obviously, Lewis didn't have the best race in Turkey either, so there was a chance there for a podium minimum. And uh, I believe he spun out on the first lap, um, ended up a long way behind the field, and it was his own fault. He went... Rammed a Haas. Yeah, he went He went too aggressive in turn two. He then corrected the Haas as well. Um, ended up 16th, and I just feel opportunity wasted there. Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. I was, That's a horrible lap. Yeah, I was absolutely gutted <laughs> at the end of that first lap. I went from so much excitement of uh, we could really have an Alonso podium to... Well, that was a bit of a mess. <laughs> but Alonso in the wet, he, you're right. Uh, European Grand Prix 2007. Yeah, that sticks that, in my mind. That was a good race oh. where he won. It yeah. rained, what, like 10 laps to go and it rained. And he was able to he was able to have like an 11-second gap to Massa and, and pull up and... Yeah. And we were, yeah, we were discussing the race before the show, actually. The 2008 Silverstone race. Um, he was miles, miles back um, at the midway point in the race. And he got on the right tyres and he fin- ended up finishing fourth in that race. And he'd been about 10th or 11th at the midway stage on merit, like on strategy. And he was just passing cars left, right and centre. It was amazing to see. And then, as I say, one of the Silverstone races a couple of years ago as well, when he was in a Ferrari. And he came from way back on the grid in mixed conditions. And he was just visibly watching him at the circuit. It was just superior to anyone else out there on that day. Maybe. Lewis and Vettel looked like they were just treading water. Yeah. So yeah, it really was impressive. <laughs> underrated, kind he of is pre- underrated yeah. in the wet. Absolutely, yeah, Alonso kind of, is underrated in the wet. That that is very much where my love affair of him comes from because I always thought he was just a bit of an ass to Lewis before that weekend, <laughs> and then you see him do something like that in the flesh, and you just like, wow, fair play. We briefly take a pause so Danny can do some parenting. <laughs> Alright, sorry about that. Uh, we good? Sorry about that. If you if you if you're stuck for childcare, I know someone who can help. He's uh he's out of work, he's no longer making the appearances, and he's just been stripped of his titles. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, my brother's name is Andrew. My brother's name is Andrew. <laughs> can we talk about can we talk about Damon Hill's uh Twitter drama? It brings up that thing that we don't want to talk about. I gotta say, poor guy though. He's out there fighting the fight. Only Damon Hill is fighting the fight of everyone. He's like the only one fighting, fighting the fight, fight. Still like going, hey, not the Lewis fight, not the fight that people no, want. Like the... But he's fighting the fight against the powers that be, isn't he? It's not. It's yeah. not the fight against the race result anymore. It's, it's the, the fight, fight. Get rid of the guy who doesn't know what he's doing, and uh, let us all move on from this mess. I feel like it was a more direct accusation of he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Which is... And I think the reasons are being questioned now. Yeah, but. I mean, that's not, because otherwise we all turn into Nick Knowles. Um, <laughs> he also went off. He also went off. Uh, so with a little SOS from that, we will um, move on to 2022. <laughs> oh, that's genius. That's the best, that's the best link you've done. <laughs> 
<laughs> Danny, for oh, you, what amazing. constitutes as a success for Alpine in 2022? You trust Alpine. And, um, hey, they need to uh, aim for third. Third in the, t- in the championship battle, they need to aim for third. I think that's, that'll be a success for them. I think we might see uh, the same result as previous years. Rebel and, and, and Merck are going to be at the top. Um, but I think that battle for third is going to be totally different. It's not penciled in for Ferrari or McLaren just yet. We need to trust El Plan. So for Danny, El Plan is third in the constructors. Tim, what is El Plan for you? Um, I think Danny's actually set the bar very high there because I think Ferrari are going to be ahead of Alpine and I think they'll be ahead of McLaren as well by quite a distance. I don't know if they'll reach the top two, but I think they'll be well ahead. Um, so I was going to say fourth in the t- constructors. Um, I think their target on the back is McLaren. It's the team who finished ahead of them in the constructors last season. And um, it's also the team who got one race win and a couple of podiums or close to podiums. Um, if Alpine can find the consistency to be finishing 5th, 6th, 7th in the races where they finished 11th, 12th, 13th, then I think that they'll be really in that fight. So I think I think it will be a fight for 4th place, I think, as I say. Um, yeah, and I think a, a, a good success will be a 4th place. Um and then also, just in a more race-to-race basis, I think a couple more podiums. Just convert your chances. Don't don't make the mistakes on lap one or lap two from the individual drivers that cost you the chance when they when Mercedes and a Red Bull slip up. Yeah, for me, what makes a success next season for for Alpine is, like you said, I think fourth in the championship is. I feel that could be the ceiling, but I, for it to be a real success, I think if the regulations go the way they're planned to go. They need multiple tri- podiums for both drivers. They've given Ocon a long-term contract. They've got Alonso in the car, who, of course, is in his older years of professional top-tier motorsport. And they've got two young drivers in Piastri and Joe waiting in the wings. And they've got to justify having their current driver lineup there for multiple years. And I think that takes multiple podiums to solidify that. And I think that's what's... It- makes a success for 2022 in Alpine. Uh, can I add one other thing that I think that they really should consider is um, they are currently the only engine manufacturer who only supplies one team. And I think with their young driver program and also just their research and development with the amount of engines they'll be able to produce, the amount of time that they'll be able to spend on development of those engines because they're only developing for one team. I think it could be really beneficial to them if Alfa Romeo were going to end up being sold potentially and put back into Salba hands. Could it? Could it, it? It would be really worth them exploring finding a team to give a second engine to, um, maybe for their long-term future more than 2022. But getting that over the line definitely in the near future could be really big. Could be really beneficial. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think it's always easier for you if you've got another car or a couple of slower cars that you can also throw some of your efforts into um or yeah you said about piastri like if they had a second team piastri exactly. would be in f1 this year. exactly and i think yeah when you've got a slower driver you can throw a younger driver into a car or whatever or 
if you want to get Alonso a win, you can always do what they did under the visor of Renault and throw another car into the wall. Uh, this is a very different Alpine. I don't see them yeah, it does. resorting to that. I, I don't see Ocon being agreement. Mike yeah. Crack is in charge. Uh, that's Aston Martin. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was a big mistake. I was looking for a Mike Crack joke. I was looking for a Mike Crack joke and I <laughs> flunk it. We'll put Mike Crack in the rearview mirror. And, um. <laughs> it's never going to get old. We're going to be doing this all season. We hope you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, um, until next time, from myself, Tim, Danny, and Mike Crack, oh. we, um, <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed listening to this, this poky little British podcast uh, with an American on it most of the time. Um, until next time, everyone. Thank you very much. Believe in our plan. Believe in our plan. <laughs> pla- yeah. Believe in our plan. Believe in my crack. <laughs> <laughs> until next time. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>